not getting up. She'll be fine. Besides, kitties are always good for podcasts, aren't they? Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. So, to our listeners, if you've waited this long for this episode, I don't fucking know why. It's not that good. <laughs> it's a dumb podcast. So, what did we read this month? This three months? This three months. Uh, so, we read Troublemaker by Leah Ramini. Is that how you say her name? Yeah, that's how you say it. Okay. I kind of remember. It's been a while. It has. It's overdue now. I had to check it back in and then check it out. Is it that high in demand? No, it's just I ran out of renewals. Oh. Wait, how do you run out of renewals? You run a library. Well, you can only renew it twice before they make you override, which I can do. But I just checked it out and checked it back in. Oh, gotcha. I didn't do that. I'm just going to pay the fine. (laughs) It's like a library donation. Exactly. Because, God forbid, we use our tax dollars to help out the library. Well, I'm sure that you have a dedicated millage for the library. We do, but, I don't know, I just wanted to make the show political for a second. (laughs) Hard-hitting politics. (laughs) Uh, So, um, it's okay. This wasn't a bad book. No. I don't think I like her very much. I I don't either. Because it, it's the story of her life, starting back, uh, I think, yeah, chapter one, she's nine. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, her life is mildly interesting, I guess. It certainly is. I think the book doesn't really do a very good reflection of the more interesting parts of her life. No, she kind of focuses on weird stuff. But doesn't really focus on anything in particular. Kitty, quiet. Oliver. Oh, this is Hallie. Oh, they're all the same. Oliver is currently scared to come upstairs. Oh, poor Ollie. Um, she just, you know, it's a breezy book. It's not long. It didn't take me long to read. It's all of 228 pages. With very big words. Yeah, it's, um, it's a large text. Which, speaking of about the text, I think it's great that in the very end, um, there's a little, at least in, oh, there's only one edition. In the very end, it says, about the type. This book is set in Garamond, a typeface originally designed by the Parisian typecutter Claude Garamond. My resume is set in Garamond. Really? It is. See, I'm a fan of Century. Okay. It's the easiest to read of all the fonts. I don't know what it looks like offhand, but I trust you. It's a good font. Okay, good. <laughs> this is Font Talk. Welcome to Font Talk. You know what? That Some people will be really into that, so. Yeah, that's true. We talk about I... cur- kerning for like three episodes at least. <laughs> yeah, this book, it, you know, it talks about our life, but it doesn't really focus on anything in particular just because I don't think... I don't know, like, there are some interesting things in her life, I guess. But I don't know, she just doesn't remember them very well, and her ghostwriter, like, fleshed it out the best that they could. Mm-hmm. Or if, like, she just doesn't know what's the most more interesting parts of her life because she's lived in Hollywood for... Most of her life. Yeah. Because she focuses a lot on the shows she did, which is fine, 
you know. But, like, we don't care about that. We're here to read about the Scientology. Well, and I think, you know, maybe she was thinking people were picking up her her book, going to pick up her book because they're a fan of King of Queens. Which, actually, when I told my roommates that I was reading this, they said, oh, that is, does she talk about King of Queens? But what's kind of frustrating about that, though, is she doesn't really say much about King of Queens. Not really. It's, she talks about the view a lot. Yes. Or no, I'm sorry, the talk. They're all the same. Well, that's, I think that's, that's the ripoff. Yeah. I, I think that's largely just because, like, it just seems to me that King of Queens was a good show to work on. Like, she got along really well, as well as anybody does with the, her co-stars, and, you know, it was popular. Um, but the talk, like, everybody fucking hated her, and she didn't really like anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe there just wasn't that much to say about King of Queens. Like, it was a fun show, and Kevin James is a cool guy. I That was, I mean, I think that was pretty much it. There wasn't anything else. So maybe no juicy just... details about the cocaine sex parties that Kevin James holds <laughs> with with uh, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler's on King of Queens? No, but, like, they're friends. Oh, okay. That's why Kevin James is, like, in every grown-ups movie. All two of them. Didn't they make a movie where they had to pretend to be gay or something? Yeah, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Mm, yes. I forgot that existed till just now. I'm sad that I remembered that it existed. I'm sorry. It was a different time. It was... Ten years ago? Uh, sooner than we would both like. <laughs> Google. Google. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry... Uh, I want you to guess. I'm going to say 10 years ago, 2006. That's not bad. Price is Right rules, you win 2007. Okay. Yeah. We've grown a lot as a nation. We have, haven't we? <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Guess what, it, how, uh, what, it's RT, what, what it's Rotten Tomatoes rating is. Oh, boy. Um, I'll eight... give you a 10% um, leeway. Okay, 18%. Very good. 14%. Oh, yeah. Damn. That's that's not a good movie. That's bad. That's You know a movie's really bad when, like, the audience score is, like, below 80 because people will fucking watch anything and like it. Mm-hmm. And the critic score is, like, below 50. Then you know it's bad. Well, in Rotten Tomatoes, the way they score, things tend to be a little harsher then Mm -hmm. you know probably actually needs to be so if you see a score like in the 60s or 70s like you can still pretty much assume that it's probably going to be fine yeah fine like decent you might even really like it but yeah you get below 50 percent, and you're really looking at something that's either very divisive or just bad like i'm like i clicked on suicide squad because i haven't seen that yet and i i don't know if i want to anymore have you seen it, Em? No. Or okay. Well, like, the critic score is 26, but the audience score is 71. But I also heard that, like, the editing's terrible and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. I... That's not a good audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. No, that's not. That's really not. Um, uh... Yeah, I... 
a lot of thoughts about Suicide Squad before I even saw any of the marketing for it. Um, and then I saw the marketing and I'm like, oh, not interested in that. I will probably, when my friend downloads it illegally, mm-hmm. watch it then. That's probably when mom and dad will watch it too. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to contribute to their box office gross. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to reward that kind of filmmaking. I agree. Yeah. Nothing um, really funny to say about that. It's just. No, just, yeah, it's. Like the way Harley Quinn is portrayed is very gross and weird. And I just, you know, I read about all the meddling the studio did and, mm-hmm. you know, different cuts in the movie. And it just sounds like a mess. And I don't really want to spend money on a mess when I could sit at home and not spend money on that. Which is a shame because, like, Will Smith, Viola Davis, and Margot Robbie are all really good actors. Mm-hmm. And that's what everyone's saying is, like, those people are very good. And, like, Will Smith is engaging to watch like he always is. And Margot Robbie does a really good job with her, you know, the part that she's given. Um, and, but there's just, it just sounds like a big old mess. Yeah. And, you know, maybe if they ever release the original director's cut, that might be a better movie. It might not be. I don't know. See, um, the problem is like, I, like you talked about how um, the studio really like fuddled with it and tried to make it like try to fix it in their mind. Mm-hmm. And that's the big problem with the DC cinematic stuff is that they're trying, they're working backwards from what Marvel did, but they're not getting it right. Yeah, they're not understanding what it was, why people liked Guardians. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's what they're trying to make it look like. And um, it's just, you're missing the point here. You can't take one movie and shove it into another movie's box. And, like, a lot of people were criticizing Batman versus Superman, which I also have not seen. Um, but I have read review, thoughtful reviews of it. And people's major complaint with that is it's too dark and gritty. Well, then Mm -hmm. we have Suicide Squad coming out, which is dark and gritty, and they panic. Well, they're different movies. Like, different things work for different things. That seems obvious, but apparently it's not. Like, I think part of the problem is you have, like, actual comic book people working in the Marvel studio, and you don't have a lot of comic book people working with the DC folks. Yeah, and Marvel makes a point of hiring directors um, with interesting backgrounds who they pick for those projects for a reason and they give them some fruit from some like leeway. Yeah. Now I think Joss Whedon would disagree with you about yes. with me about Avengers too, but you know who would really disagree with you? Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright would so disagree with you. <laughs> yeah. But the Russo brothers would probably be. be and they, board. and they've put out the best films in the Marvel universe besides James Gunn, who again was given a lot of leeway Mm-hmm. to do you know what he wanted to do and um to make the projects their own yeah whereas with this it's just been they just handed over to Zack Snyder and are shocked shocked when they find an over CGI overly dark and gritty weird not very good soulless piece of filmmaking yeah i i don't personally think i like any Zack Snyder movies i I'm not, I can't say that for certain without Googling him, which I'm doing. Uh, 
but uh, I remember sitting at 300 Mm -hmm. and just thinking, is this over? Is it? And I, the thing is I've read the comic and I was entertained by it when I read it. Um, But Aaron loved it. He thought it was great. And I'm like, are you kidding? And that's fine. But like, okay. Yeah. I'm looking. Okay. I never saw sucker punch. Um, Nor have I. But I've heard people say who I trust, who have like pretty cool opinions, that it was unwatchable. Mm-hmm. Um, and see, the thing is, I remember seeing the ads for that and thinking, yeah, that looks like something I would watch. Sure. And then the reviews came out. I said, ooh, never mind. Um, I have not seen the remake of Dawn of the Dead that he did. So I have no opinion on that. He did a Dawn of the Dead remake? Yeah, in 2004. What the hell? Oh, I hear you googling too. Yeah. Google, 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 and then Google three... the podcast. Oh wait, shit, we can't say that. Uh, internet searching the podcast. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, I did not care for three hundred. Um, I have a lot of opinions about Watchmen. Mm-hmm. I bet. <laughs> I'm not going to share them, but let's say I thought that was terrible, and I don't think Watchmen should ever be a movie. It doesn't work as a movie. It doesn't work as a movie. At the very, very most, I will give you, like, a limited-run HBO miniseries. Definitely. Like what they're doing with American Gods. Yes. Which I can't wait for. It's going to yes. be so good! But I think it's fine as a comic. It's how it's meant. It's a commentary on comics, not on movies or TV. So mm-hmm. leave it the way it is. And it should never have been made, and Zack Snyder did a bad job at something that should never have been made. So, like, it's kind of hard to see where the blame falls there, but then you look at his other movies and you think, well, maybe part of the blame is you. Like, maybe in the hands of someone else, this could have been better, at least. Which, that's from what I understand a big problem with Hollywood, is because of the way the system is set up, it's really hard to find where the blame lies when they make a bad movie. Yeah. Because even the actors don't, like, you watch a movie and you're like, oh, that performance was terrible. The actors a lot of times don't know what it's mm-hmm. going to be. And they have to trust their director and their editor to make them look good. Because um, they might be thinking they're giving a very good performance and, like, getting really good feedback from everyone. But if the editor's using takes that weren't as good or they go in and rejigger the, you know, the editing and the plot, they have no control over that. Yeah. Um, and that's why you see really good actors in movies that are just pieces of crap. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, and, like, you won an Academy Award. What are you doing? Like, why? Are, and sometimes it's bad choices, for sure. But sometimes, but sometimes it's something that's completely out of their control. Yeah. And another problem with Hollywood as an industry is, it seems, and this is a vibe that, by the way, circling back to the book. <laughs> This is something that I kind of get from the book is that because it's such a relationship based industry, like nobody wants to piss anybody else off. Mm -hmm. So you don't have like in a normal sort of industry where people are like, sorry, it's a tough decision, but you're bad at your job. Go away. Yeah. And that's what's like you see these directors making these movies and people keep giving them money for some reason and it's like what do you like 
this the every movie they've made since the one that made them big or whatever has flopped and has gotten bad reviews. Why are they still making movies? They should not be making movies anymore. Um, his other movies that he's made is Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Cahool. <laughs> I forgot that existed. Um, which I've only seen the couple clips they showed on that one episode of 30 Rock that had Matt Damon in it. Um, <laughs> so, I think that's how we should all be exposed to culture, by the way. Two clips of 30 Rock. <laughs> um, so I obviously do not have an opinion on Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Cahool. Did you read those books? No. I'm too you old. You didn't? No, I'm too old for that. They I read out, them. They came out when I was older. I have them at my library, um, but I, I've never read them. The only thing I remember about them is that they're, like, everybody is super duper racist against, like, birds that don't shit pellets. Okay, they don't shit pellets. They puke them. Well, see, there you go. I read a book about, I read a whole series about fucking owls, and I know get jack shit about owls. <laughs> you know, they puke them up. They go, ah, ah. And then they puke up a pellet. But no, like, I do remember, I remember at least that they call other birds who, like, shit the way God intended them to. <laughs> what, they call them wet poopers. Oh my God, really? Yeah. <laughs> and they wear, like, armor and shit. Are, is, are those books kind of like the warrior cat books? I think they are. Okay, because I, I haven't read those either. I just know of them. Again, I, I, buy, read... I buy them for the library, so. And I did, by the way, read the Warrior Cats books when I was a kid. Um, and I actually also listened to the classic Bim Bam, Bam episode about Brindle Pelt. Bramble Pelt. Bramble Pelt. Shit. Yeah. Well, and they didn't know what, they didn't know what uh, Warrior Cats were. So that makes it even funnier, because I know what they are. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's their name. Like that's, it's that's pretty a good, close. That's a good warrior cat name. Like if you're gonna name them. <laughs> um, okay, so back to Zack Snyder. Unfortunately, because um, I'm his IMDb page is still up. He made Man of Steel, Ugh. which I did not see, and it's Batman, bad. Batman versus Superman, which I did not see. Now my roommate saw the director's cut or the extended cut or whatever the fuck it is, and he said it was better. But still not very good. Okay. Yeah, I just... If I want DC Comics to come to me in my living room in non-book form, I'll just watch the old cartoon Yeah, from the 90s. Because it's good. I have a bunch of them. Uh, I have a bunch of Batmans. I don't have Superman because Superman's dumb and boring. But um, So I'll just watch those and be happy. And then some of the animated movies are good. Not The Killing um, Joke. Don't watch The Killing Joke. No, I was disappointed by that, because I actually do like that comic. Um, but it's very much of the 80s, and they did a bad job. But, bad job. Um, Under the Red Hood is good, and the Wonder Woman movie is really good, and there's a Green Lantern movie that I liked a lot. So I just go to the animated, because I just I just look at the the commercials for those, the trailers for those movies. I'm like, that is really not interesting to me. It's just, and I'm not like a Marvel fanboy. Like I'm not, I love Marvel because they do a good job. Exactly. And, um, if DC did a good job, I would like them to, but they're not. Arguably DC has the better characters. They do. I, 
I mean, they have Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. I, those are the comic book characters. How do you screw them up that badly? And what's also frustrating? There are people who work with DC who are also making good, like, filmed stuff. It's on TV. Yes. Yeah. The Flash is, that's a good show. Well, it's a fun show. It's a fun show. <laughs> I'm not going to call it good, because I get real mad at Barry a lot. Well, yeah, because he's an ass and dumb. <laughs> he's, he's just, I'm like, how can you be so smart and so stupid? Just, just so stupid. <laughs> Ugh. And I watched some of Arrow, and I liked Arrow. I just stopped watching him and never went back and picked it up again. I heard um, it got kind of dumb. Uh, a lot of TV does. It's just... Um, and I like iZombie, I which is a DC property. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched a couple episodes of Supergirl, and it was cute. I just It was a little mind-numbing for me. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be better on the CW. Mm-hmm. Are they finally going to do that... Um... That adaptation of Sandman. It was on for a while, and I heard cute guy, 30 Drop from the Sun. Oh, uh, JGL? Thank you, yes. Joseph Gordon, love it. He was cast as Morpheus, which was awesome. Oh, it was gonna be a movie. Yeah, it was gonna be a movie. But I haven't heard anything since then, so... Uh, this is from March of this year, (laughs) and JGL dropped out. Okay. So it's not going to happen. Yeah. And Neil Gaiman's just like, you know, maybe it's just not meant to be, which that's fine. Yeah, I again, I'm not sure how good of a movie or TV show that would make. Yeah. I just well, I don't I don't know. If if you were going to make it a t- if you were to make it a TV show, now would be a really good time to do it. It's, and I would do it on Netflix or HBO just because there is such a clearly defined endpoint to that series. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. With those specific characters that you couldn't do, like, a long-running Cheers or, like, a Friends or something else. Yeah, like, that just can't be done. So, in this golden age of TV, now would be the time to do it. (laughs) Um, so this has been comic book media talk with Garrick and Emily. (laughs) Mostly because I just, I don't remember the book very well. Nor do I. It's fine, read it. I mean, there are better... There's better Scientology memoirs out there, and there's better Hollywood memoirs out there. Yeah. Um, But if you want a little bit of both, like, sure. I thought a lot of the stuff, her talk... I did think her talking about her weird relationship with Tom Cruise was interesting. I think so, too. Um, Because he's a weird dude. I think everybody pretty much knows that. Yeah. But we Um, just don't know how weird he is. Yeah, you just can't know how weird he is because everyone around him has to sign non-disclosure agreements or they're a hardcore Scientologist or both. Where's and that, um, Where's that one thing the where... Cookie the cookie The cookie story? thing, yeah. <laughs> that was very strange. Oh, so he, he decides he wants to make cookies, okay? And he has like two assistants with him. Or, like, one assistant? I forget. He has a, He has two assistant. assistants. A, a man and a woman. And later, um, Leah gets kind of fucked in the head by the fact that they're, like, obviously fucking. Oh, yeah. Even though yeah. they're not supposed to. Yeah. Um, which, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he wants to make cookies, and the cookie dough, like, the pre-made cookie dough is sitting out in front of him. 
but he gets mad because he can't find it but they can't tell him that it's right in front of him and it's so weird it's a weird story he seems like such a weird man yeah and I think it's interesting that really the reason she leaves Scientology spoiler warning is because she didn't like that Tom Cruise was in charge of stuff yeah she thought that was wrong like she didn't have a problem with their weird beliefs or, or the fact that they steal money from people although yeah. eventually she gets on board with um... she um I, I think once she's out of it she sees all those problems a lot more um but yeah the thing that really pushes her over the edge is she doesn't like the fact that tom cruise appears to be in control of scientology along with david miscavige and she thinks he's a weirdo and an unstable man child and that really puts her off and no one like seems upset by it and then they get mad at her when she pushes back right so that's why she leaves and i just i think that's a really interesting reason to leave your religion yeah. Not not because you disagree with the beliefs or the practices, but because like it's showing preference for a weirdo you don't like. Which I guess is a very human reason. It is. Um you know, it's not very intellectual, but it's very sort of that gut feeling of like why is this like strange man being catered to and why is he making decisions about things? Like who is he? Like who is this guy? He's just an actor. Well, he's not just an actor. He's a very good actor. Have you seen... What, Top Gun? Have you seen Top Gun? (laughs) Have you seen War of the Worlds, where he does a good job, but the whole other movie is not great? I saw that in the theater when it came out. You are so old. (laughs) I didn't see Top Gun in the theater because I don't think I was alive. Neither, Neither of us were. I asked Dad if um, there's a lot of homoerotic volleyball in the Air Force, like in Top Gun. And he was very quick to correct me and say that Top Gun <laughs> is Navy, in the Navy. Navy pilots. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you did not answer my question, Dad. <laughs> um, 86. Okay, so I was a year old. Yeah. Why don't you see it, Em? I, it I defined did. a generation. I have seen it. I just did not see it in the theater. It made Meg Ryan's career, Emily. I and think. it had that good song. You've lost that love and feeling. No, 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 no. Take my breath away. R- other wrong song. Yeah, no, that's the right da, da, song. Da, 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 listen to a howling wrong. <laughs> do, 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 do. Highway to the danger zone. Gonna take you right into. The danger zone! Alright, that's enough of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not Kenny Loggins. No one else can be Kenny Loggins but Kenny Loggins. I was singing along to Footloose in the car, and Aaron was disturbed by the fact that I knew all the words. Loose. Footloose. Okay, that's... Nope, nope, nope. We don't need to sing it. Why not? So I may have just clicked on an article because you were boring and singing called yeah. do stranger things and parks and recreation exist in the same universe okay keep and going I'm really into this idea i'm really into this idea too <laughs> so um you know how steve harrington 
looks exactly like Jean Ralphio. Yes. <laughs> Are they the same person? Um, no, that's Jean Ralphio's dad. Then why isn't his last name Ralphio? Because he changes it. Because they, I don't know. Maybe they run away. To um, yeah, here we go. Steve and Nancy have kids. That would be Mona Lisa and Jean Ralphio. Yes. Um. Who? Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I have to read this. Steve and Nancy have a kid or kids before being eaten by a monster and or committed to psychiatric hospitals. In Swoopsie's brother, Dr. Saperstein, who is away at medical school, he raises little Jean-Ralphio and Mona Lisa, his real daughter, changing their names to shield the family from a prying media and Steve's rightful madness. They pick up and move to nearby Pawnee, where Dr. Saperstein holds dark secrets. That's why he spoils his children. So Dr. Saperstein's actually his uncle, Jean-Ralphio's uncle. Okay. Because it it also takes place in Indiana. Right, and... You know, why the fuck would you ever set anything in Indiana? It's like Ohio, but shittier. And Ohio's kind of shitty, so... Yeah. So, um... Because, I mean, that kid looks just like John Ralphio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the first time we walked on screen, I'm like, John Ralphio? What are you doing? <laughs> ben Schwartz, aren't you too old to be in high school? <laughs> um, my favorite Ben Schwartz uh, factoid is he is half the voice of BB-8. Who's the other half? Oh, it's somebody else cool. I forget. Um, let me see. BB-8 voice. I also follow BB-8 on Twitter. What it is just it? It just says things like, Happy Beep! <laughs> Art, that... um, RT if Beep Beep! <laughs> That's cute as hell. It's real cute. What's the monster in, um, in Stranger Things called again? It's like a... It's a fucking... It's the a... Gorgonzola? Do you think that the Gorgonzola and Little Sebastian, do you think there's a relation there? Do you think that this had a Pawnee just just worships uh, their Gorgonzola in the form of Little Bastion? Well, what this person who came up with this idea said is Pawnee is actually, like, the sunny version of the Upside Down. Like, the right side up, I guess, but not our right side up. Okay. Yeah. Because that makes everything's, sense. Everything's good in Pawnee, even when it's terrible. It's Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz. Okay, that is cool as hell. Yeah. That sounds like a righteous party I would get down with. Also, BB, it's so cute. He is. Um. Okay, so back to the book. I would like to share with you one of my other favorite things that stuck out to me from the book, besides the weird cookie dough thing. Okay. And that is the Emmys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I thought I had seen King of Queens at some point, but I think I've just seen a lot of ads for King of Queens. Um, it, have, it's a have fine... you ever seen it? Yeah, mom and dad really like it. Oh, they like terrible sitcoms. I've actually never seen it. I thought that I had and I hadn't. So I don't have an actual informed opinion on it. All I have is what I've heard from other people and sort of the general critics reviews that I've read. And the general consensus is that it's not that great. <laughs> like it does what it's what it was meant to do. Sell advertising 
on whatever night uh, it was aired on network TV. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people watched it, and I, I, it's probably like one of those shows that's like comfort food. Like you don't have to think real hard. There's just dumb jokes, and you laugh, and then move on. Personally, I don't care for a lot of TV like that. If I'm going to watch TV like that, it's going to be like Forensic Files because that's my preference. You know, I think everyone consumes some sort of junk media and it's really shitty to look down on what other people consume. Definitely. Unless you watch The Big Bang Theory. Um, (laughs) I will look down on you for that, mom and dad. It's just not supposed to be very good. So keeping that in mind... So awards are given to shows that are good. <laughs> Traditionally. Um, generally. Not all the time. Well, not, this isn't a show, but movies like Crash. It's not a good movie. It's not no, a good movie. it's not. And like, a lot of times they give Oscars to actors because they didn't win one the year before and they think they're due, which is not how awards are supposed to work. Not at all. Like, you see Denzel Washington. You know what his Academy Award's for? No. Training Day. Really? Yeah. I you like know that movie. I like it too, but you know what it should be for? What? Malcolm X. Yeah, or any of the other movies he was really wonderful in. Yes. Yeah. I, not Training Day? Not Training Day. No. I Again, I like that movie. I didn't know that's what his Academy Award was in. Yep. Yeah, they'll, they'll give it to people just because... Well, like, didn't they give Martin Scorsese one a few years ago for a movie that was just sort of like mediocre... Yeah, um, the early film one, it's in the train station, Hugo, I think. Okay. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's probably not his best film, but okay. (laughs) We'll go with it. Because then whoever got shafted that year is going to get it in next year or the year after that. And it's like a waiting game. You just have to, like, put out product long enough and have people like you long enough that you'll eventually win an Oscar. And not not just people people in the academy yeah so old white dudes who used to make movies now the the emmys and the golden globes don't seem to be quite that bad as the oscars they're not because i know the golden i don't know about the emmys but i know the golden globes are given out by um by journalists yeah by journalists yeah um and then you have like the critics choice awards and the independent spirit awards so there's a lot of awards out there um but yeah, generally they're given to good product. Well, Leah Romini is very upset that King of Queens was never nominated for anything. And this is the early 2000s, so there isn't a ton of like prestige television like what we have now. But there's still good TV yeah, being made. There is. And King of Queens is just not one of them. Like, it's a sort of retro mediocre sitcom that yeah a lot of people watch but that doesn't make it interesting or innovative or captivating or anything that you want to give an award for for context everybody i will read the emmy winning shows from 2000 best comedy awards specifically from 2000 to like 2005 okay all right Will and Grace, it's fine. It's fine, whatever. Sex in the City. Okay. Friends. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Ray. Everybody loves Raymond. Okay. Arrested Development. Yeah. Everybody loves Raymond. And in 2006, oh, uh, keep going. 2006, The Office. 
and this is great, for three years in a row, from 2007 to 2009, 30 Rock. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's interesting, that time span, because you can see the death of the old-fashioned sitcom. Yeah. Also, I would argue that Everybody Loves Raymond is like good King of Queens. It is. <laughs> so, you know, not only do you have more innovative shows winning, like The Office and Arrest- 30 Rock and Arrested, Development. and Arrested Development, you also have shows that are doing your format better. Mm-hmm. Which are all the other ones you listed. And then Sex and the City, which people sort of make fun of, but at the time was different and new and, like, interesting. Because I don't think there are, there were that many shows with a woman audience in mind. No, not really. And and they talked about things that other people didn't talk about. And it's actually pretty funny. Like, it's sort of infuriating, too, because it's just, it's very much of its time. But there's a reason everybody loved it. And, you know, so you have shows that are really innovative winning and you have shows that are doing your multi-camera traditional sitcom format better than you are. So I know everyone thinks that whatever they're working on is wonderful and special because you see the work going into it. But like, let's be real here. It's just not that good. And she specifically gets very pissed that Kevin James was nominated for and for for best lead male in a comedy because they split because Emmys are split between comedies and dramas, and Golden Globes are too. Yeah, which I think is actually really good because it's different acting. But what's but anyway, what's kind of weird though is that you get anyway. This podcast is really really long anyway. Um, yeah, it is. We're just talking about media instead of the book. But anyway, back to the book. So she gets really pissed that in 2006 that Kevin James didn't win Best Leading Actor in a Comedy. So I'm just going to go through the list of people who were nominated. In no particular order, um, Larry David as himself in On Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Tony Shalhoub as Adrian Monk on Monk. Steve Carell as Michael Scott on The Office. Charlie Sheen as Charlie Harper on Two and a Half Men, and Kevin James as Doug on The King of Queens. Out of that list, three of those guys are, like, really good actors. Yeah. (laughs) The only person I would put maybe below Kevin James is Charlie Sheen. Oh, no questions I would put Charlie Sheen below Kevin Kevin James. Yeah, but she she says Tony Shalhoub stole the Emmy from Kevin James. Um, You fucking spoiled it for me. I had the 2006 Emmys on my TiVo, ready for me to watch, (laughs) and you just fucking told me. Your your 10-year-old TiVo. (laughs) I have it on VHS. I haven't gotten to it yet. And I actually know the episode. Now I'm looking at the list myself. I know the episode that... Because you're actually nominated for a specific episode. Yeah. Not the series as a whole. Um, the episode that he, Tony Shalhoub was nominated for. And it's a really good episode. Like, Monk does get kind of repetitive. Like any long-running TV show does. Right, well, it's a procedural. Yeah, but that episode, he gets amnesia, and he doesn't remember things, but he still has his OCD, and he's trying to figure out why and who he is. And it's just, it's a really great episode, and it's a really good um, 
acting by Tony Shalhoub. And okay, no, I'm sorry. There is no version of the world in which Tony Shalhoub does worse than Kevin James. Exactly. And not only that, like, you know, there's a lot of criticism of his portrayal and their writing of someone with OCD. And rightfully mm-hmm. so, you know, people with mental disorders are shafted so hard by media portrayals. But, like, that's a much more complex and hard-to-do role than working-class, chubby guy who has an insanely hot wife. Yeah. Yeah, one of those things is a little bit trickier than the other. <laughs> yeah, I... Oh, Megan Mullally won as Karen Walker that year on Will and Grace. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that re- that anecdote from the book just really stuck out to me as being so clueless. Just... As if. And you wonder w- why her ghostwriter didn't soften that a little bit? I think the ghostwriter... Well, either the ghostwriter didn't really care that much or she kind of is working with us to make sure that we understand that Leah Romini does not seem like a very good, like good person. She's not a very nice person and she's not terribly in touch with like reality. And she's Um, that weird sort of out of touch with reality where she thinks she's in touch with reality when she's, yeah, she thinks she's super real and down to earth and it's like, no, (laughs) And I think that maybe happens a lot. I mean, this is just conjecture with successful actors and people like that who, um, you know, maybe had humble upbringing and then become successful later on. Yeah. Because they think that they still understand what it's like to be like a normal person, like a regular guy, but they don't really like they, they've lost that perspective. And in some ways that's, worse than you're like one of Paltrow's of the world who grew up privileged and grew up in that world and just remain in it because like you can just write them off as being like well they don't know any better because that's how they were raised but yeah these people who like think that they know what it's like to be the common man and they don't <laughs> because they haven't done that for years years like Years and years and years. Like the fact that she um, got high up enough in Scientology to know how weird Tom Cruise is. Like you don't have to read the book to know that that she's been in the in the business and been in Scientology for a long time. Yeah, since she was like ten, and she just then figures out that it's maybe not a good place to be. Twenty something um, years in. Yeah. And I, I thought her talking about the talk was so boring. It was. It was just like the worst. Everyone's mean to me, except for my friend. And then we got fired because we were just telling it like it was. Like, no, it sounds like it was just kind of a shitty work environment and you weren't the best person for that part. And yeah, yeah some, she, some jobs are shitty. Yeah. Well, she's so shrill. Would you really want to listen to her? No. God, no. And she sort of tries to be nice about her coworkers, but in that, like, I'm just telling it like it is because I'm sassy kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like, I love her, but she's such a bitch. That, you know what I mean? Like, she's such a sweetheart, but God, isn't she just annoying? That kind, that, <laughs> with that whole attitude 
is really irritating. Yeah. And I don't like people like that. I don't like people who just are like, well, I'm just, you know, I just speak the truth. I just tell it how it is as an excuse to be an asshole. Yeah. Now, my favorite character from early seasons of Buffy is Cordelia and later seasons is Anya, who is very much that person. But that's not real. <laughs> but that's not who I actually want to spend time with. And what's interesting about Anya and Cordelia is they both, because Joss Whedon is competent at what he does, they both change very slowly over time. Yeah. And they're not saying things, especially later on, to be mean. They're saying things because they need to be said. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of these people who are like this in real life think that they're doing. Like, they think they're providing a service by being obnoxiously outspoken yeah um but they're really just jerks (laughs) like and i don't know her she might actually be a very lovely person and just come across badly in print yeah um i don't know i've never met her and i probably never will unless there's some sort of weird twist of fate maybe her ghostwriter also just didn't get along with her maybe and she was just like well fuck this bitch i'm gonna make her look dumb as hell because she doesn't seem very bright no. either. <laughs> um, it's like she like she does have some funny anecdotes. Like I giggled at a few things. But yeah, I don't know if it's just her personality shining through. Or if like you said, her ghostwriter just really didn't care for her. Um, but anyway, I you know, I didn't... I didn't hate the book. I read it real quick. Um, I liked her pictures from the 80s and 90s. Because... Did they bring back memories? Some of them, yeah. Like the, she has a picture of her in acid wash jeans and a matching denim jacket, mm-hmm. and her collars popped, and she's got big mall bangs, and it just looks like something that I would remember from back then. Yeah, like, um, very Saved by the Bell. It is very. But she was on. She was on Saved by the Bell, yeah. And she did a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> I think her TV show sounds funny. The um, like the reality one, like yeah, or uh, no, the uh, Living Dolls. Like that's just like such an early '90s plot. Because it was a spinoff of what Charles in Charge? No. Yeah. What was it? I can't. Who's the boss? Okay, so she was on who's or there was who's the boss with Tony Danza. Yes, which by the way, Angela is the boss. That has been scientifically proven by Abed, I know. Um, <laughs> so there was a spinoff of that called Living Dolls about models living together with a character from Who's the Boss? With Tony Danza, I think. Because she mentions that she met... Well, she, get, she guest starred on Who's the Boss preparing for the spinoff for Living Dolls. Right. Yeah. And it didn't, it lasted, what, like a season or something like that? Did it even air? Yeah, it aired. Okay. Halle Berry was in it. Jennifer Aniston tried out for it. Yes. Well, no, they and they both tried out for Friends, and Jennifer Aniston got the part and she didn't. Which, good for Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> uh, but she does talk about how Jennifer Aniston is like the only nice girl she met early on. Which I can believe that. Yeah, she seems, Jennifer Aniston seems very nice. Um, but, yeah, it, 
I I wouldn't tell someone not to read it. And if someone's looking for a modern Hollywood memoir that has a little Scientology thrown in, that you know, because there's interest, there are interesting parts of the book. There are. Um, it's just there's better Scientology memoirs. Like as far as books go, this is one of the first times where I felt like large parts of the book felt like I was just reading like the film, like the the part in a Wikipedia article where I normally skip. The um the thing about the the actor's uh, career, just because like mm-hmm. if I want to read this, I'm just gonna read it in list form, whatever in the filmography. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It just doesn't go, um, very deep into anything. It feels real skimmy over her like marriage and um, like her home life as an adult and everything. Yeah, which you know privacy i get that like if you read uh tina fey's bossy pants she really doesn't talk about like she talks about things in her personal life but she doesn't go into a lot of detail about definitely it. and amy amy poehler does the same thing and yes please which speaking um, of this is kind of bleeding into our recommendations i was going to recommend both of those oh yeah those are both good i like bossy pants a little better yeah but yeah i it did. It felt real lightweight and um, just not not as much detail as someone might want, especially if you're a King of Queens fan and you really want to know about what it was like on set. And she gives some sort of real general anecdotes. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to be satisfying for someone who's a King of Queens fan in particular. Um, and she really doesn't talk. She mostly seems really bitter about the talk and just wants to talk about that, which is fine. Like, talk, you know, whatever. I just don't think that that's what she's really known for. No, it's not. Like, I didn't even know that that existed or was a thing. I know the show existed because I think that's when I was a teacher and I didn't work in the summers. So <laughs> I saw a lot of daytime TV. Um <laughs> That's I think it came out around that same time, and because Sharon Osbourne's on it, and that one lesbian comedian, she's real nice. I can't think of her name. Gilbert something Gilbert. Uh, Elizabeth Sarah, Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert. I think. Yeah. Um. And, so, and I only had the vaguest notion of who Leah Romini was. Yeah. Before I read this book, I'm like, okay, I think she was on Game of Queens. So I wasn't emotionally invested in her story at all. Yeah. Okay. So getting along to our recommendations. Um, do you want to go first since you already kind of said them? Um, they basically were it. Um, Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. Amy Schumer has one coming out here pretty soon. Okay. That'll be interesting. Uh, it's called The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. <laughs> I like that. Which I think is a funny name for That's a book. That's a funny yeah. name for a book. I- I love Amy Schumer. Um, I read Mindy Kaling's books, mm. and they're also kind of like this, like real lightweight. I think I enjoyed Mindy Kaling's books because Mindy Kaling's funny, but she just didn't have to struggle much. She's just like, okay, I went to school, and then I wrote for SNL for a while and did a bad job, and then I was on The Office. <laughs> like, that's pretty, like, I mean, that's really like her first book. Um, it talks a lot about her as a kid, and, it, and like I said, it's funny, but I'm just like, okay, Mindy, like, you really didn't have to work very hard at this, <laughs> did you? Um, 
it's almost like she was like a dude in Hollywood. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, so those are the celebrity comedian, female comedian books that I've read. Anyway, I haven't read any but. Scientology memoirs. Could you enlighten us? Oh, I've read them all. <laughs> My favorite is Inside Scientology, Inside Scientology, which is not actually a Scientology memoir. It's a look behind the scenes of Scientology. Mm-hmm. It is a complete history of Scientology from before its founding, when um, just like uh, some stuff about L. Ron Hubbard's early life mm-hmm. and a lot of his early influences, because he lived with... Um, some very interesting people in Hollywood and I have to look up the name of this book. Um, so I can recommend that one too. So he lived with a guy who founded the, um, uh, jet propulsion lab. Okay. Who I can't think of his name offhand. And I just read this book recently. Robert Goddard. No, Jack Parsons. Okay. Okay, so the book's called Sex and Rockets. Nice. And <laughs> because Jack Parsons was a weirdo, he was sort of a Aleister Crowleyan follower. Okay. Um, he was really into Thelema and um, sex magic. Well, who isn't and... into sex magic? <laughs> I know, right? And um, he was a leader of the um, Ordo Tempore Orientalis. Orienta- I can't OTO. The OTO. The OTO. Um, and he had like a little like cult and he, yeah. And he, L. Ron Hubbard lived with him. And um, on top of that, he was a brilliant, brilliant um, astrophysicist. And he was one of the founders of the jet propulsion lab. And, um, he had a weird, weird life. And, you know, it's just interesting that it intersected with L. Ron Hubbard's life so closely. Um, Actually, I think one reason they had a falling apart was L. Ron Hubbard slept with Jack Parsons' girlfriend or wife. One of his wives. One of, yeah, something like that. Um, So yeah, he was, he was a cool guy. I read this like a year ago or so, and I really liked it a lot. Um, But yeah, it's called Sex and Rockets, the Occult World Jack Parsons. Um, It's written by John Carter. Presumably not John Carter of Mars. Presumably. Um, Batman is presumably. fictional. <laughs> and, yeah, not a writer. Um, it's got a pretty cool color. There's, like, a sexy lady in a rocket. Um, but, yeah, he was an interesting guy. And then, um, you know, he crossed... So it starts there. And a little bit of his life before that, too. And really goes through Dianetics and the founding of Scientology. All the way through current day with David Miscavige and what's going on there. Um, this is, um, Inside Scientology and, um, the documentary Going Clear is very good. I have not read the book Going Clear is based on, um, my understanding is it's very similar to Inside Scientology and I just, I can only learn so much about Scientology. (laughs) I really love fringe religions and, um, I find them fascinating, but I can't just read about them all the time or I'll go crazy. Um, Speaking of back to recommendations, um, I can we can both make a recommendation. So, Ona Ross and Carrie, they're another podcast. Um, mm-hmm. They did a very in depth, well, not very in depth, but as in depth as you can get. But why why not like actually like super duper getting into the Church of Scientology? 
mm-hmm. without spending thousands of dollars. Yeah, look at Scientology. It's I, I recommend it. It's like seven, eight hours long. Yeah, I think it was like an eight or nine part series, and they they also joined the joined the OTL. Yes, if you're interested in sex magic, um, they did not have sex, but they did eat. I forget if it was blood, menstrual blood, or sperm cakes. I feel like it was sperm cakes. I think it was sperm cakes. Some people do make cakes with menstrual blood, too. That's gross. Yep. Because uh, making no, cake you. with blood of any sort is gross. And that's better than semen? No. But I... No. No. Neither is good. Neither's don't... I don't want either, thank you. Don't drink bodily fluids. Well, they're cooked. Still, that doesn't just because they're sterile doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> um, okay, on to my other uh, recommendation, and uh, it's nothing to do with Scientology, but it is another friend's religion memoir called "Escape" by Carolyn Jessup, and she was a an FLDS. She was Fundamentalist Church of Latter Day Saints, and um, was part of a polygamous family and had eight children, and eventually ran away. Um, with all of her children and it's really dark and interesting um and it's definitely one of my my favorite fringe uh religion memoirs and i've read many of them um so that's it so yeah inside scientology sex and rockets and escape sex and rockets is really only tangentially related but i just thought i'd recommend it because it's just a really weird story (laughs) it sounds interesting Mm -hmm. maybe the um maybe the nasa folks should get on that so that way they can rebuild the rocket program instead of us having to use the uh the russians well then they just need some sex magic perfect (laughs) or scientology i'm not sure which uh probably sex magic that's a little better than scientology probably sex magic sex magic sounds like a lot more fun than scientology and way cheaper You just need some candles. <laughs> anyway, um, my recommendation. Uh, do you want to go to our general recommend- recommendations? Sure. So my general recommendation, it's a bit of an oldie. Um, Iron Council by China Maville. Uh, okay. It's very good. Uh, it's in his new Crobazon series. Um, because it's, it's, it does a cool fantasy steampunk clockwork punk sort of thing, mm-hmm. which I find that setting very cool, and that's kind of interesting to read, especially um, mm-hmm. anymore. It's pretty hard to find that. So yeah, Iron Council by China Maville. Cool. What about you, Em? Um, I am not done with, but I am currently reading The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is a graphic novel. And so you know Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of people don't know this. I do, because I know weird shit like this. But Sabrina is actually an Archie comic product. Really? Yes. Um, How? Archie is so grounded. Uh, it takes place in the same exact world, my friend. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I love Archie comics. And, oh, I love the reboot, too. Um, it's really good. Because it's um, they've modernized it. And Fiona Staples does the artwork. She does um, Saga as well, which is also great. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just 
you would think modernizing Archie would turn out badly, but it just doesn't. It's just, it's really wonderful. Um, and I love the old Archie comics too. I always, I think I'm the only one who reads them at my library. I buy the like a thousand page ones that you can buy at the checkout line. <laughs> and I sit and I read them on my lunch break. But so Sabrina is an Archie comics product and it's very much an Archie's comics product. It's cute. It's got that certain Archie comic like art style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it makes stupid jokes. It's funny. Well, the chilling adventures of Sabrina is not like that. Um, it's again, a modernization of Archie and they've been playing around this with this for a while. Um, there was a, an Archie comic that was like a zombie book. It was called like Archie after death or something like that. Or Archie after life. I forget. Yeah. It's also, it's a lot of fun. Um, so the chilling adventures of Sabrina is a reimagining of Sabrina, the teenage witch as a straight horror comic. Okay. And, um, yeah, so it's not just like, we're witches, hee hee, cute, wink, here's my broom, you know. Um, no, they worship Satan and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it's really it's really dark and twisted, and I'm only about halfway through it, and I love it. Um, it's set in the 60s, which, again, again I think is kind of interesting, um, because that is, you know, sort of prime Archie time. Mm-hmm. But just a completely different spin on the whole thing. Um, and it's actually creepy. So good job, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So if you're looking for a very weird take on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, that um, it's a lot of fun. And don't give it to your kids. But my kids love Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> well, do they like... No, I'm not even going to spoil all the weird shit that happens, but there's a lot of it. I do like the TV show, Sabrina's Teenage Witch. It's a good show. It's all on uh, Amazon Prime, and I've watched most of it. Amazon Prime. The primest of Amazons. Brought to you (laughs) by... Not Amazon. I wish. Jeff Bezos just sitting in his basement. That's what it's brought to you by. I bet he has a cool basement. You know he has a cool basement. You think he has a pinball machine? Oh, he has like five pinball machines. No <laughs> doubt. Um, so that's what I'm reading right now. Because I'm not normal. That's okay. You're a librarian. 